high desert and the great American Southwest. I bid you good evening, good morning, good afternoon, whatever the case may be, wherever you are in this great world of ours, all the time zones covered like a great big warm blanket by midnight in the desert. That's the name of this program. I'm Art Bell. It is my pleasure to be here with you tonight, which is going to be a very weird and wild night in so many ways. Yeah, we're going to have open lines tonight. So I've got three rules instead of my usual two. Rule one, no bad language. Rule two, only one call per show. And rule three, for tonight, only two drinks. Two drink max if you're going to call in. All right? We'll get to the open lines part of it here in a few minutes. Uh, there were some strange occurrences of the day. And this tops the list for me. True or false? I'm going to read you the story. It's all over the Internet. Dateline. I should have a little news thing. Dateline, uh, Florida, Orlando. Joined by his... I'm not saying this is true. Because I don't know. Joined by his father, George H.W. Uh, Bush, and his brother, George W. Bush, during Jeb Bush's latest fundraiser in Orlando this week, George Bush Sr. left the large crowd of Jeb Bush partisans uneasy after responding to a question on UFOs by an activist-slash-journalist uh, which the answer took the crowd uh, and the reporters completely by surprise in hopes of helping his son Jeb's struggling presidential campaign. George Bush Sr. and former President George W. Bush have been campaigning beside the presidential candidate in hopes of bringing the numbers up, right? During the fundraiser, a man in the crowd raised his hand and then a question which led to an even more surprising response by the former president and CIA director. The man asked George Bush, Bush Sr. when the U.S. government would tell the American people the truth about UFOs, to which he reportedly responded, quote, Americans can't handle the truth. Okay, so... <laughs> um, it's not the first time that the senior has uh, had a controversial moment uh, about UFOs. Another occurred March 7th, 1988, during a trip to uh, George W. Uh, running for President Rally in Rogers, Arkansas. The uh, 2B president was then asked in the advent that he would become president if he would tell Americans the truth about the existence of UFOs, to which Bush said... I'm very careful in public life about dealing with classified information. Hmm. James Adler, journalist for the Arkansas Globe at the time, also asked about Bush's knowledge about the UFO phenomenon, behalf of which Bush answered, I know some. Now, there's a tag to this story. Um, after all, he is 91 years old. It is possible that he is suffering some cognitive dysfunction. So you have to imagine that possibility. You also have to imagine 
that he meant exactly what he said, if he really said it. Okay? He might have meant exactly what he said. It may be that his cognitive function is fine, and um, he just felt like, you know, hey, I'm 91. Hell with this, I'm going to say it. Or the whole thing might be a hoax. It's all over the Internet. We looked and looked for anything that hit mainstream media. But, you know, that doesn't always mean a story is not true. I give you, ladies and gentlemen, the Phoenix Lights. Remember? These monstrous things moved over the Phoenix, Arizona area. And and what did we get in the mainstream press? Nothing. Nothing. So... You know, I don't rule it out. I don't rule it in. I just would note that a lot of times things hit us earlier than they hit the mainstream press, or maybe the mainstream press, you know, in the in the in an effort to be polite, decided not to include it. At this moment, this juncture, uh, I don't know what's true. So I thought I would present it to you and let you decide for yourself. In other news, as they say, um, two more campus shootings, this time Arizona and Texas. Meanwhile, the president went to, uh, went to Oregon, where he wasn't really so welcome, frankly. A lot of protesters are not happy about his gun control agenda. And so not happy to see the prez because of that. We are two countries. The East and the West. In the West, we have guns. It's just, you know, part of life. We have guns. In the East, uh, they don't have guns, mostly. Not altogether. I mean, there is the South part of the East where they mainly do, I guess. But, you know, the Northeast, uh, liberal corridor does not have guns. Chicago doesn't have guns. Look how that's working out. Anyway, I will say what I've said again and again and again. We don't have a gun problem. We have a mental illness problem. Now, in other news, the Obama administration is overhauling its approach to fighting the Islamic State in Syria. They have now decided to abandon a somewhat failed Pentagon effort, I don't mean to laugh, to build a new ground force of moderate rebels and instead partnering with an established rebel group. Now, we have spent millions and millions of dollars to train somewhere between four and eight moderate rebels uh, to fight uh, ISIS. And they're really, you know, interested in fighting Assad, right? So... I guess today, after spending millions and millions of uncountable dollars, we had to send four guys home. I don't know what we're going to do now. So you guys go home. We're done with you. The uh, GO party is, uh, GOP party is a party in chaos, desperately searching now for a leader. Desperately. John Boehner is gone, right? And uh, I guess you know what the last couple of days have brought, with people turning it down right and left, latest being Paul Ryan. He said, no, thank you. The 
pressure on him enormous to take the job. But he said, ah, no thanks. Meanwhile, Trump's numbers keep going up. You know, I'm starting to wonder if we're going to have Trump, you know, if, if this guy is for real. Huh. A federal judge in Massachusetts has refused to dismiss a defamation lawsuit brought against uh, comedian Bill Cosby by three women who say that he sexually abused them decades ago. So it's getting worse for Bill Cosby, if that's possible, every day. All right, so now on to some housekeeping things. Um, I would like to welcome aboard KKFT Reno Lake Tahoe. That's right, KKFT, Reno, Lake Tahoe. And we have a lot of affiliates coming up in the hopper, but I won't tell you until they're signed, sealed, delivered, and on the air. A little bit later tonight, if I'm in a good mood, and I think I am, we may do some Periscope. Now, here is the deal with that. To, to do Periscope, which means you can actually see video from me. I can't imagine it being interesting watching the back of a talk host's head, but it's the only camera position I've got that's any good. Um, in order to uh, partake of Periscope, you've pretty much got to be on Twitter. And I'll give you my Twitter handle, so if you want to join uh, now, you'll be notified if you're on Twitter that I am up on Periscope. It is ArtBell51. That's A-R-T-B-E-L-L-5-1. That's me on Twitter. Okay. Um, let's see. I have a lot of housekeeping to do, so you'll have to excuse me. I want to thank the fans of my show for something pretty incredible, actually. We have a advertisement running in the Industry Standard magazine right now. That would be Talkers magazine. And the headline reads, this is not me boasting, it's just me telling you what it reads, fans of Art Bell invest in Talkers ad campaign for their radio hero. That's pretty cool. It's a long story. I've posted it, I think, on Facebook. It's up at artbell.com. And uh, it shows me in a pair of sunglasses. Actually, that's pretty cool. Anyway, um, thank you. Uh, from the bottom of my heart, those of you who contributed to that campaign, either with your talent or your money, thank you. Uh, Jasmunda down in Australia, thank you, buddy. Awesome stuff, really awesome. And I'm humbled, truly humbled. So, we're going to do open lines. What did I say about Rule 3? To drink minimum, right? So you're welcome to call. Oh, there is a rumor that J.C., you remember J.C., right? That he's alive and kicking. I don't and cannot confirm that it is true. I can confirm that somebody matching his description, is posting on Facebook. I have arisen. You know, that kind of thing. But until I actually hear his voice, he's dead to me. And by that, I mean, um, I, you know, I after a while, I concluded poor J.C. out there in the wilderness passed away. Now, maybe not. 
Maybe he lives. Maybe he has arisen. But I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it till I actually hear that grating voice in my ear. But I thought I would note, everybody's been emailing me, Hey, he's alive. He's back. He's alive. All right, so open lines. Now, I would prefer paranormal, if you have paranormal. You can bring that to the uh, table. But anything goes. Anything at all. We are going to set up, however, a special line suggested by a listener. And when I, when I saw this last night, I called Heather, my producer, and I said, this has got to be it. It's called our Scott Free Line. Now, what a, what a great name, a Scott Free Line. What I want you to do, and I, I, I know that all of us, at one time or another, have gotten away with something scot-free, right? Whatever it is. Now, I will make every attempt, even though sometimes I can see a city you might be calling from, I'm going to make every attempt tonight not to uh, say the name of the city, even if I see it. So, if there is something in your life that you would like to unburden yourself about tonight... This would be an obvious chance. So if you can think of something that you got away with scot-free, either now or when you were younger, the special number is area code, are you ready, 575-208-7787. And by the way, by the way, that number, when you call that number, just so you know, little humor here, that number rings through Roswell, New Mexico. <laughs> and then it comes to me. So the person who set up the numbers for me had an obvious sense of uh, humor. Uh, let me give that to you again. Uh, the scot-free number, if you want to unburden yourself about anything at all, the scot-free number is 1 and then area code Five seven five two zero eight seven seven eight seven. And with that, we're going to break. And when we come back, with a two-drink minimum, uh, whoop, maximum, I'm sorry, maximum, with that in mind, please keep that in mind. Anything goes. Let's just have fun tonight.
take a walk on the wild side of midnight. From the kingdom of Nye, this is Midnight in the Desert with Art Bell. Please call the show at 1-952-225-5278. That's 1-952-CALL-ART. That's the number, okay. And uh, by the way, no video, no video. People keep trying to send me video or receive video. This is a radio program, and aside from an occasional venture with Periscope, we're not doing that. So, uh, no video, except for Periscope. Um, I want to thank Alex, who sent me this just a few minutes ago on the wormhole. Alex, I love you, baby. It says, Art, I want to applaud you for being so vigilant about the audio of your show. You know, I listen to many different radio shows, and they rarely point out problems with their guests' audio. Anyway, it's very uh, refreshing and very much appreciated. Well, thank you, Alex, my kind of guy. And so, here comes my speech. Sorry, I know, even though it's requested by many and hated by droves, here it is. If you would like to call us on our national uh, line... You know, they, it used to be toll-free. You had to have a toll-free line or people wouldn't call you, call you right? Um, but now most of us have calling plans that allow free calls anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, whatever. So if you want to call, it's 1 and then area code 952-225-5278. And while it's possible to sound pretty good on a landline and sometimes a cell phone, um, I don't know. But uh, anyway, that's the number, area code 952-225-5278. If you want authority, if you want to sound authoritative, (laughs) the way you do it is with Skype. It will make you sound like you're right here in the studio with me. And you can actually do that on your phone. It'll work fine as long as you don't put it in speakerphone mode. That's horrible. But what you do, if you've got an iPhone or... And Android, yeah, just get Skype. It's free. And then once you've got it, you don't go to the place where you dial a number. You go to the place where you add a contact. Now, once you become familiar with Skype, you'll see a little plus sign up there, and you click on that, and then you add us. Simple as that. You add us. Uh, to call us on Skype from North America, anywhere in America or Canada, it is MITD51. That's Midnight in the Desert, M-I-T-D-5-1. Anywhere else in the world, you can still call us. It's M-I-T-D-5-5. That's M-I-T-D-5-5. Now, uh, once you've done that, uh, you will notice that in your list of contact contacts, it says, it, it probably says something like Midnight in the Desert overseas or North America or something like that. That's us. And um, and you can call us for free from anywhere in the world. What a world we live in, huh? So with that in mind, and a two-drink maximum in mind for calling, um, here we go. Don't forget about the scot-free line. If you got away with something scot-free, whatever it was, we want to hear about it. Area code 575-208-7787. And here we go. Here we go. Hi there on Skype. You're on the air. Hello on Skype. You're on the air. Corey. Your name is Corey. And if you don't speak in three seconds, I'm moving on. One, two, Corey. 
three. Sorry, Corey. Uh, you you lose. We're going to move on to uh, Mike. I, you know, I hate that. I mean, you pick somebody, you you keep them on hold, you wait, and then you try to go to them. And I think I could hear his voice mumbling in the background, and I and I couldn't go to him. So Mike instead uh, is the one who gets on. Mike, hi. How are you doing, Art? I am just fine, buddy. Yes, Wolfman calling back again uh, from Guelph, Ontario. Uh, yes, well, you are a perfect example of how to sound good on Skype. Uh, what are you using? Uh, just an Android phone. Boy. Um, I think it's a Motorola Moto G. Pretty That's good it. for an Android, I'd say. All right, well, anyway, welcome. Oh, anyways, um, I was going to mention uh, I was trying to be a time traveler, and um, I was having trouble getting it to with the PayPal to link up my card. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. But I heard another caller say the same thing, so I'm not sure if it's something. All right, so some people have trouble with PayPal. I don't know what it is, but usually it can be fixed by using a different email address. Okay. So I would right. try that, uh, and if that doesn't work, I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, there are instructions. If you go to artbell.com, there are instructions of what to do if you have a problem. You know, it's like one in a thousand. It does happen. I'm sorry. Um, I, okay. I, being a time traveler is awesome. Yeah, I wanted to use the wormhole. But anyways, let me tell you a story that happened at my farm, another one. Um, this time, this was out in the uh, Port Burwell area. I told you before, I, lived, I was a tobacco farmer. That's right. Anyways, I was irrigating late one night. It was probably around 3 in the morning, and I had to shut off my irrigation system. Yeah. I was, I was waiting. I had to wait another hour. My yeah. brother came out on his bicycle. He lived next to me. And uh, we were just looking up at the stars, and all of a sudden we seen this thing like a red fireball. And it was moving in an erratic pattern, going here, there, moving. So we started getting scared. It was coming towards us. And um, all of a sudden it stopped over, it looked like our neighbor's property, pretty close to us. And really it looked like fire, a fireball, but moving around intelligently. Okay. It all of a sudden, like lightning, shot down this energy field. And mm. it was like a like a, a outline, like a triangle going down at the earth, almost like a ray that goes wider as it comes down. Yes. And in, it was blue and like smoky blue. Like you could see like a haze, almost like a tie-dye effect. But it, it was like lightning, just zap. But no sound. Well, I, you know, I, I never know what to say to these things. Uh, almost everybody, everybody has had a sighting of a UFO. Now, let me swap around a little bit here and ask you about this story that I read a little while ago about George H.W. Bush and what he might have said if this is a true story. He's said stuff before, and now he said that we couldn't take the truth. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think he said that. I believe that. I mean, um, they probably think that most people would be terrified if they told them all the truth. Well, they might, uh, but I think they might. I mean, even a, even if what it. even if what Doctor Jacobs says is true, to me it's terrifying. I mean, if we're being taken over one person at a time, 
That's oh pretty, yeah, that's pretty terrifying, actually. Well, All right, well, yeah, my mother uh, talked about uh, a recurring dream she had when she was pregnant for me, where a UFO lands in the backyard and they come out and go in her bedroom and stood over her bed and watched her while she's sleeping. Okay, then there are questions both about your mother and you. Yep. Okay. Yep. Well, we'll save that for another show. Huh. Yeah, serious questions. Come to think of it, let's go to the. Um, the special line, the Scott Free line, and say hello there. You're on the air. Hey, Art, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Welcome back. I'm glad you're back on the air. Uh, back when I was young and stupid, me and my friends were going down to Mississippi and we were carrying some contraband on us. Uh, what kind of what kind of, of what kind of contraband, please? Uh, it was marijuana. Marijuana. Okay, so stoked with marijuana. You're traveling through Mississippi. Not a bright idea. Uh, it was not a bright idea at all. We were young and stupid, mm -hmm. and we got pulled over by the police. Yep. And uh, we got searched by yep. a policeman with a big toolkit, and he took apart the entire car. Oh, and God. find the marijuana, which happened to be behind one of the vents that you only had to take off. You, you, say, you say he didn't find it? Oh, no, baby. You know, if he had had a dog with him, you would have been toast. <laughs> oh, we would have been toast. I was praying he didn't bring a dog, but he brought a toolkit, and he didn't find it. Look how things have changed. Yeah, you, how much did you have? I'm curious. Like a lid? Oh, we, oh yep, about a lid. We had an ounce on us, and, uh, and we didn't. Uh, I, I'm sorry, what, was it an ounce or more than an ounce? Yes. Yeah. It was an ounce. It was an ounce. An ounce. I, I'll tell you what. Uh, thank you very much for the call. You, yeah, Scott Free is right. They'd had a dog. You'd have been so, you'd have been put away forever, absolutely forever. Mississippi, long ago, marijuana, not a good mix, brother. Oh, let's see. Uh, where can I go? Let's. Uh, let's go over here and say hello to Paul. Paul, you are on the program on Skype. Well, I can believe it. Well, yeah, you can believe it. All right, turn off. So, the, extinguish your... Uh, oh, yes, all right. Uh, I see. We have a break. So, Paul, you hold on. Extinguish your device, please. And uh, we'll be back. Take a ride exclusively on the Dark Matter Digital Network. This is Midnight in the Desert with your host, Art Bell. To call Art, please dial 1-952-225-5278. That's 1-952-CALL-ART. Or, if you have something that you got away scot-free with, call my scot-free line at area code 575-208-7787. And I want to reflect a little on the guy in Mississippi. He reminded me, actually, of an event in my own life. When I was 16, I ran away from home. Ran, ran, ran. 
And uh, I hitchhiked to Florida, which is where my grandma was at the time. And I remember, uh, of course, when you're hitchhiking, you know, you you don't, number one, at 16, have much money, and I sure didn't. Uh, number two, I made it all the way to Georgia. And I remember Georgia because, oh, there was red clay everywhere. Boy, it grew on you. It's horrible. Anyway, I remember this uh, this cop pulled over. You know, th- that wasn't a day when you could hitchhike. and People actually picked you up, and they were nice to you. Anyway, this cop pulls over. It happens a lot when you hitchhike. And he said, well, what you doing out here at this time of night, boy? I'm trying to get Florida, sir, where my grandma is. Well, you know, it's dangerous out here. He said, I'll tell you what. You're not in any trouble. How about we take you in, put you in a cell with the door open, or not so much maybe, because we've got about 300 Freedom Riders in jail right now. I said, well, thank you, sir. I appreciate the offer of a good night's sleep, but I think maybe I'll pass. He said, all right, you be careful out here, and took off. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, hello on Skype. You're on the air. James, I think it is. Hey, Art. Hey. This is uh, James. Uh, I don't mind if you say... Uh my city or anything like this. That's, I can't uh, see your city. You're just on Skype. It doesn't. Okay, count. okay. I'm this Scott Free called. That that's why I called you. Um, oh. One of my contracts I had was working for a paymaster who was Austrian, and uh, he was based out of Singapore. Uh-huh. But the job was working for the Chinese, a company called April Paper Manufacturing. You know, when in, you, in you, you wait, wait a minute, you really should not be mentioning. Company names. I okay. Sorry about that. Anyway, let's just uh, say you were working for a company in Indonesia, right? That's right. Okay. That's right. Yes. So what had happened was it was a trifold contract. It was uh, training people, gathering intel, investigating a homicide and four arsons on right. an island right. called Pulau Pudong. Wow. Anyways, uh, the picture you see of me that's that's on that island. So what ended up happening was... I do see it. Um, when you're yeah. on Skype, you can have a picture, and I can see a picture of him. It looks like you're sitting, right? Yeah, on a boat. Yeah, those on canals boat, okay. are used right. to transport the uh, timber Very cool. that, goes, that gets transported. Right. So anyways, what ended up happening was, uh, yeah, I did my investigation. I trained some people. Um, all this stuff's strictly illegal. Um but I, I worked for a couple of federal agencies, so, you know, I wasn't too worried. But it was the only time I've ever done a job with no support. Well, and let me uh, tell you, if you get tagged in Indonesia for doing something really wrong, uh, working for an agency or not, you're in trouble, man. You don't want to be in one of their jails. No, I was freestyle. There was no agency. This was as an independent uh, well, then, contractor. Okay, so you'd have been cooked. Yeah, I would have been done. But, yeah, they still have people following everybody. They call them, uh, uh, oh, shoot, what do they call the, uh, they called us, uh, it means boss, bule, bule. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, so any bule, they see a white guy. You just try to look the part, shorts, a short sleeve shirt, button up. Yeah. They, they really will follow you. I mean, it's oh, not yeah. like Singapore where they have cameras everywhere. Right. Indonesia, they actually will put a physical person following. Sure. And, uh, so anyways, I, I did my investigation and uh, got everything done. 
bottled it up, typed up. The funniest part was when I made it back to <laughs> when I made it back to Singapore. I got done. They uh, one of the agencies I worked for back in the U.S. was uh, Immigration and Customs. Yeah. Well, Singapore has the same kind of thing. And they caught me with more than 20 cigarettes. And nowhere else in the world I've traveled is more than uh, uh, two cartons a problem. Yeah. But I had, 20 cigarettes? Why, why are they bothering you about 20 cigarettes? Well, it was more than 20. I had 20 in a pack sealed. Yeah. And then I had like eight in an opened pack. Yeah, so what? I had to pay 200 Indonesian or uh, Singaporean dollars. Oh, in a this fine. Oh, okay. This is in Singapore now. Yeah, this is in oh, Singapore right, coming back. Indonesia, yeah, okay, Indonesia yeah. doesn't care. Yeah, Indo Singapore is really an uptight place. You know, you don't even yeah. want to spit on the sidewalk. Exactly, but I'll tell you one thing about Indonesia is uh, it was uh, dicey the entire time. Um. So, and I mean, your big story here is that you... I was you, doing you, was highly illegal. Uh, so that is your scot-free story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was international scot-free. And then you're busted for 20-something cigarettes. Coming home. Coming back to Indonesia <laughs> to go back to where I live in America. So, I got yeah. it. Yeah. All right. I got it. Thank you. Uh, that's a good one. You're dealing with homicides and stuff like that in Indonesia. You make it out and get busted for 20-something cigarettes... In Singapore. Yikes. Ridiculous. Let's go to our Scott Free line, and I think you're on the air. Hello. Well, I hope I'm on the air. Is that, that me, Art? Uh, it is you, sir. You know that only. Oh, fantastic. For sure. But... Well, Art, before I tell you my boring story, of, uh, I have to tell you. Why would you want to call me with a boring story? <laughs> well, compared to you. I mean, one of my favorite stories of yours, I mean, I never laughed so hard in my entire life. And I couldn't compete with that, with the story you told when you uh, zapped yourself with a with a uh, stun gun or something, <laughs> with a cat sitting on you. Um, I, I don't remember that story. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. Um, you don't. We've had, no, we've had stun guns, uh, but I don't think I've ever... <laughs> Done myself in with one, honestly. Either that or I'm losing it. <laughs> Maybe the stun gun took care of the memory. Maybe it did. Anyway, anyway uh, what's up? Well, I'm calling you from one of your favorite places. I'm in Alaska. And uh, I don't know if you ever will do shows from anywhere else, but. Uh, I had such you know a, the university. I had such a blast you know in Alaska. Alaska. I, I got to tell over, you, sir, I, I had. As much fun as I've had in my life in Alaska. Um, and, and the reason is the people down here in, in the lower 48 don't understand that in the wintertime in Alaska, there is little else to do but party, right? That's correct. And they go on nonstop. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> yes. Well, Mark, if you ever kick up to Alaska again... You know, the University of Alaska now has control of HARP. Yes, yeah, so and, I've heard. Uh, I happen to work for a place called the Geophysical Institute, and we're the ones that are running HARP now. You and, are running uh, HARP? You are running, running HARP? Totally. 
You know, I want to I want to register a complaint with you. Okay. As an amateur radio operator, most of us think, think you I'm have really screwed up the ionosphere with what you're doing. Now, now it's in private hands, and God knows what you're going to do with it. What are you going to do with it? Do you care to explain? Well, if I was in charge of it, I certainly would tell you. <laughs> but I'm not the one in charge. I'm one of the worker bees. What do you do? I am a computer support guy. I'm an IT guy. You're an IT guy. Yep. So, in other words, you could take it down any time you want. <laughs> I was more thinking we could do a remote... With you broadcasting from Harp. From Harp? Um, you know, not in this lifetime. I, look, I appreciate your call, but it's Harp is not a funny thing to amateur operators. We think that they have screwed up the ionosphere. I'm quite serious about this. Now, I don't know that to be a fact, but I know pouring high energy uh, to the ionosphere is a, probably a poor idea. Listen, you know what? They actually bragged that they were able to run outside, the scientists were able to run outside and look straight up and see that they were producing northern lights. I'm not kidding. Imagine that much energy that you produce northern lights. That's doing something to the ionosphere. I'm telling you right now. Outside the country we go, Mark. Yeah, hi, Art. Hello, Mark. I'm at, I'm at Zurich at Airport. Oh, really? Switzerland, and I'm getting on a plane again. And where are you going this time? I'm going to Birmingham, but if you remember the last trip I took with Lufthansa, I summoned the aliens, and there was a crack in the windshield. That's right. You know, that that's something right out of the Twilight Zone. Well, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> I'm just about to board a Swiss flight to yeah. Birmingham. Yeah, I can actually hear I can, minutes. You know what? I can hear the airport stuff in the background, so I believe you, um, but... I think it's not a wise thing to do. You cracked the windshield last time. God knows what you might do this time. I think it's irresponsible use of, of, of consciousness. Yeah, but it's an experiment that we can all do together. Well, why in God's name would you do it in the air? Okay, well, you're closer to them. I was hoping, like, to see a, uh, a craft or something. I didn't expect them to actually crack the windshield. Yeah, but... <laughs> I mean, what if you put a crack in, in the engine or something? Uh-oh. So I you mean, think I should not do it? No. Is that your I, official I, position? My official position is you should not do it. Okay. I respect you immensely. All I would, all I would need is to hear about a plane going down. Uh, I mean, one did over in your area not long ago. Uh, that's all I'd need. And I would feel horrible forever. No, don't do it. Okay. Thank you, Art. Have a good flight. Thank you. Yep, fly safe. Things people do. He really did. He const well, he used his conscious intent and created a crack in the windshield of the plane. Uh, the plane, I might add, that he was on. And he's at the Zurich airport. It's just not bright. I don't. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's not bright. Okay, on the uh, let, let's go um, to the Scott uh, Scott Scott Free Line. Uh, where in Philadelphia? Okay, I say it's been it's been long enough. I won't get in any trouble. It's uh, Grizz on uh, tune in chat. I just wanted to say hi to everybody. All right. Um, back in the day, I hear that I places. Are, uh, by the way, sir, I hear that places a jungle. 
It is. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, when I was a uh, teenager, I used to follow a Grateful Dead cover band. Yes. And uh, we used to buy liquid LSD. And uh, so my cousin was working in a, uh, or he, I don't know what you call it. He worked at a Catholic church. Yes. And he got the body of Christ, like the little wafery things. Uh-huh. He had a whole stack of them. And we would bring them into our high school. And we would drip the LSD on them and sell them for like 15 bucks a piece. That make is, a lot of money. That's truly horrible. Horrible. You, <laughs> you one at the time. took communion wafers and put LSD on them? Yeah, I was tripping, tripping on Jesus. Oh, God. <laughs> you know, you, are you telling the truth? Yep, true story. And how many of these wafers did you pass about? Uh, we probably had like 15 or 20 of them. <laughs> and you gave yeah, these... It was, and, a, it was a novelty, like, you know, usually a novelty. Like 10 yeah. bucks. You know, you're, you're lucky. The uh, yeah, you're lucky that the laws on this have probably expired. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it, Art. Thanks. Uh, yeah, you're welcome, sir. Can you believe that? Um, <laughs> the worst thing that you can do to a person is give them an unwanted trip. It's dangerous. Don't ever do that. <laughs> Don't ever do that. Um. It's really dangerous. If you know you're going to do something like LSD and you've thought about it beforehand and you've prepared a proper atmosphere, even then it's kind of dangerous. But putting them on wafers and or anything else without a person's knowledge and giving it to them is a very, very serious thing to have done. I I don't know what to say about that. Anyway, Scott Free, he says, uh, on Skype, we're going to go and talk to somebody named Maple, like the syrup. Hello, uh, Art. Hello there. How are you? How are you tonight? I'm okay. Considering LSD-laced wafers. Ah, I see. I haven't been catching the show tonight. I'm actually uh, in the car delivering. Uh, but uh, I understand it's open lines? Um, oh, it is? Great. I'd, uh, I'd like to tell you a, a pretty pretty crazy story that happened to me a couple years ago. Well, you're going to have to top the last one, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, I live in uh, uh, Kingston, Ontario. It's a rather old uh, Canada's first uh, capital capital city here. Right. So it is a rather old city. And uh, when I was 19, uh, I think uh, one of my very first apartments was part of an old house. And uh, I invited my cousin and her friend over to uh, just kind of hang out for the night and... Uh, uh, we decided to play Ouija, well, or Ouija. Well, we didn't. Technically, we didn't. it is Ouija, by the way, not Ouija. Yeah, Ouija. Um, we didn't have a board, so we used a, a shot glass and some post-it notes and made a circle, <laughs> kind of deal. And uh, <laughs> a shot glass and post-it notes. Well, yeah, we were 19, so we had more shot glasses. Than yeah, I understand. Well, it's only the intent that matters anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. Now, personally, I had never delved into the supernatural myself, so I didn't believe anything was going to happen. And, and my plan was to, you know, fool the girls and, and make them all scream and whatever. But what happened next was absolutely incredible. Um, uh, we talked to a, a ghost. Uh, we asked her, you know, what her name was, and she said it was Muriel. We asked her what year she was born, and she said it was 1881. Wow. And uh, what, what year she died, and she said it was uh, 1905. Um, a couple couple other questions nothing really spectacular uh, uh then we asked it if it had any children and it shot the shot glass right to goodbye it didn't it didn't want to talk to us anymore and 
I kind of pressed on further and asked her, you know, why don't you want to talk talk about children or whatever? And she just started spitting out gibberish, like nonsense, like a, a letter, then a number, then a letter, then a number, then a letter, etc. Well, and, maybe, uh, maybe that's like had, cussing at you. Exactly, and I didn't think anything of it. Uh, well, <laughs> Sierra, the, the the girl that was with us, uh, my cousin's friend, she was writing it all down. So after we saw, we were all a little freaked out. Uh, we stopped after, and we went over the, the numbers and letters that it was saying, and at the end, it spelled out the word onion. And so we were like, oh, that's kind of weird. Hmm. Now, on your uh, guest last night, I believe, uh, he was talking about the deep web. Now, I guess the instead of .com, those sites are called .onion. So uh, I'd never been on the deep web before, but we decided to go on a Tor browser, and uh, we typed in this, this gibberish that she gave us, and then .onion. And it went to a child torture porn site. No word of a lie. You really are living on the edge, aren't you? It was insane. It was the scariest ghost thing that has ever happened to me, and the only so. Well, that's quite enough. And yeah. uh, and you better stay off the dark web. Exactly. Yeah, I don't ever want to go back there, that's for sure. All right. Well, I appreciate the story, and uh, you better r- ride the straight and narrow from now on. Oh, yeah, for sure. No more Ouija for me, or Ouija. Ouija. All right, thank you very much for the call. I appreciate it. Yes, I'm, I'm quite aware of the correct pronunciation is Ouija, Ouija board. I, I will not have anything to do with them. And before you pick up the phone and or get ready to send me a wormhole message, uh, I will not talk about my experience. And uh, nothing is going to get me to it was... It was that scary. And I look, I don't think it's the board or any other trinket or anything that you would do. It's just the intent. When you pick up uh, and start playing Ouija or anything else that tries, you know, if you sit in a circle and hold hands and try to summon a spirit, you're probably going to get what you don't want. And so you don't do these things. I mean, if you seek, you will find and if you're found, <laughs> uh, it could well go in a direction that you don't really want it to go in. So my advice is don't do it. Open lines all night long. This is Midnight in the Desert, and I'm Art Bell. Two drink max. Two drink max. Two drink max. We trust you, but remember, the NSA, well, you know. To call the show, please dial 1-952-225-5278. That's 1-952-CALL-ART. That's it, all right. There are a number of ways you can do this. You can come in on Skype, if you like. We're MITD51 in North America, MITD55 in the rest of the world. And uh, back to the lines. Oh, yes, we have a... Scott Free Line. Now that means if you want to level with us about something that happened in your life that you did that you got away from Scott Free, then you're going to want to call area code 575 208 7787. That's area code 575 208 7787. Let us go to the Scott Free Line. You're on the air. Hello. 
Art. Yes. Art. Uh, well, I'm not sure what I can say, so I'll be cautious here. But uh, okay, I have actually have two, I have two things. I'm not sure if I'm doing this right or not. I sent you an email about some new fusion discovery, but in the meantime, you opened up the. Uh, uh, yes, if, uh, if you're not calling about something you got away with scot free, then you're on a wrong line. Well, no, no. Here's what what I want to tell you about. Uh, I go to Vegas. I gamble, and I I encountered the third largest killer beehive in the history of Las Vegas. And I got away with just a few stings, and I think it was in excess of 35,000 bees in the hive. And I just thought, I'd, I don't know if that gets away with Scott Free or not, but it was a very, very unusual engagement. And I didn't know whether you wanted to hear that or not. So. You, did you hit or kick this beehive, or what? No, there's a house. It was on, it was on Flamingo and Pecos. Yes. And some young, boys, some young boys had bought it and turned it into a permaculture. And they found me to be interesting, and I stayed there with them. I was working, doing some work in the in the back two acres. Yes. And I began to do bee activity. And when I went up to the to closer to the house, we noticed they were up in the eave. It's a very tall house with a big pool, and huge place. And and uh, they asked me if I wouldn't try to move them out with some uh, smoke. So I rigged up a can. Well, but anyway, normally a bee won't bother you unless you bother it. Well, here, here's the point I want to make to you. I'll just try to wrap this up because it was a, it was a two-week engagement. But you have to understand that I've never felt that I'd been assimilated by a creature who could hover in front of me and feel that. And then they set me up, and when I ran to my van, there was one waiting for me. And I was staggered by the degree of being felt as if I'd been assimilated by these bees. And I'd have to tell you each story, but, for example, I was in a small hut, and I noticed one hovering in the doorway. Well, maybe you were. Maybe you were assimilated. You thought about that? Well, I don't mean by that. So what I'm suggesting to you is they were assimilating the data for the strategy, because come to find out, we looked into it, and the killer bees set up a 100-yard perimeter. Well, it, it, it certainly is true. We have killer bees here now. Oh, yeah. This has been. This was two years ago. Uh-huh. But the fact I I was so I had no idea what I was messing with, and when you look at the dynamics of their capacity to kill by overwhelming numbers oh, yeah. and be right there, and then I was. But the point is that I sprayed the, something with this bee, and he stood there and hovered. I reached out with the can, tapped him. He fell to the ground, got up, flew off, and then it came back. And then I got in my van, and they tried to come in the window. And then well, that, you know what I think, sir. I think you've been assimilated. I mean, do you find, for example, when you get near a fragrant flower that you you reach down with your nose and you smell it and uh, sort of say, boy, that looks good? Art, I'm trying this one. I can tell you this, that the bees, (laughs) I have, now now hold on a second. I have a special bee. Okay, what happened was, Several encounters were, were made, but they finally they finally lashed out at me, stung me, drove me to the van. I'm driving down the street. They had me two times in the back of the neck. I'm trying to roll up the window. This was like a scouting party, like a beach landing special the ops team. Yeah. the whole hive. Yeah. But everywhere I go, Art, my car, when I drove back up, a hive of bees tried to get into my hood. And then I, it's as if they tag you in some way chemically. Hmm. But the overwhelming thing I want to move to your audience is this, to have a bee hover in front of you, and you can almost sense that bee is assimilating data. I I just can't stress enough. Uh, 
you, you do not underestimate the bees. All right. And I think what's I think what saved me is I was in uh, the Mojave Desert in uh, the 2001, whatever the computer is supposed to crash. Right. And I put out I put out a jar. Yeah, and I put out a jar. I was about 2,500 feet up. All right, listen, sir, we're out of time for this call. Uh, all I can say is be safe. Huh? I think he was assimilated personally, and uh, I mean I, I can't know that. Absolutely, but it sounds a lot to me like he was assimilated. And you are on the air. Hello. Oh, hello. Hello. Am I on the air? You're on the air. Um, I am Ari from Minden, Nevada, and I think my house is really haunted today. I don't know why. I just feel like I listen to EVPs, and it's just really creepy. It's just creeping me out around... Orchard Road, around uh, everywhere. Well, don't tell us exactly where you are, but but you listen to EVPs? Yes, I do. Well, there's your problem. Um, now, of course, I play them on my program, but I always warn people, you know, that you could be, well, that number one, it's going to be scary, I warn people, and number two, frankly, if you start listening to the voices of those who have passed on, who knows what you're inviting, like the widget board, right? Yeah, of course. So you really think your house is haunted, eh? Yes, because it all started with, like, sometimes I do my homework in my room, and I always hear, like, these strange noises, and it's always just in my room. It's not in my head because I ran out of my room. I was, like, almost screaming, but I wasn't. And then I couldn't hear anymore, and then I went back, and then I kept on hearing those clicking noises. Terrible. How old are you? How, how old are you? Eight. You're eight years old? Yes. Same age as my daughter. Yeah. I try to tell people on this program, we have people that listen and call from 8 to 80, and you just helped me prove it. Yes. I uh, love your show. Yeah, that's very kind, hon. Thank you very much for calling. And good luck with whatever's in your house. Don't let it get you. Oh, yeah. Is JC calling? I don't know. I don't know. JC, um, I, I, I am not going to believe until I see, or until I hear in this case. Um, I'm getting all these messages that JC is, well, has arisen, let's put it that way, has, has come back from the forest with some kind of revelation. But until I actually hear his voice, it's just so much chatter on Facebook. So he hasn't been, like, on Facebook a lot? Well, no. He he recently has come back and is posting as JC. Now, whether that's really him or not, no idea. The only way we're going to know is when I pick up a line and, well, you know what he sounds like. Yes. All right. Well, thank you for the call. I really appreciate it. Eight years of age, I told you, eight to 80 and probably beyond. It's just the nature of this program. Hello there. You're on the air. Hello. Going once. Going twice. Uh, too bad. Sorry for you. Gone. Uh, hello there. You're on the air. Good evening. How are you doing? I'm doing great, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Hey, Good. I just want to uh, say you, you do such a great job with all the guests you have on the show. Oh, my goodness. Um, well, thank you. Um, Fridays, I just lay back and have fun. 
Sounds like a great job. Hey, uh, you know, years ago, my dad got uh, stuck out at my Ash Meadows, you know. He was uh, getting a, a load of hay back in the 70s, you know. Yes. And he came up here. Um, he doesn't really get up and around that excited, you know. But he said, hey, you're, you know, you're the first guy that called, and he described this UFO thing. Mm-hmm. He said, that's the same thing I saw out there, you know, and that was mm-hmm. years and years ago. You know? And uh, anyways, that's the story. But um, so he saw a UFO. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, later on in the late nineties, I heard your show for the first time, and it was uh, the uh, Star Child skull. Yes. Well, all right. I'm going to ask you then. Uh, everybody who talks about UFOs tonight is going to get asked about George H. W. Bush and what he may have said. Oh, okay. Hey, he said that uh, human beings could not take the truth about. Aliens, if we if we knew about it, could you take the truth? Well, that's just it. I, I kind of did a little bit of follow up on that Star Child thing, and it's uh, like, uh, well, we'll put it this way: it's quite literally out of this world. Yeah. Could that. you take the truth? Well, no, that's what I'm saying. You know, if you, if you read between the lines, what he really doesn't say this up. This guy that owned that Star Child skull, you know. I'll listen to some of his lectures. And I don't care them. about him. I'm talking about you. If they were to oh, yeah. tell you the truth about UFOs and aliens, could you take it or would you crumble? Oh, no. No, no. I came to my own conclusion, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it would be kind of shocking to most people. Uh, and your conclusion is? Well, that we were like... Uh, like we'll put it this way, like there actually was an Adam and Eve, but it was like created from these creatures that was roaming around here, you know, the Neanderthals or whatever. I just, I'm saying, I don't think we came from them. I don't. You don't, huh? No, I think it was a maybe a they, maybe these aliens used a piece of their genes or something to to do what they did to come with us. But I think there was. All right. What about this idea that we are being slowly invaded by half humans and half aliens? Well, that's what I'm saying is they're, they're coming back to collect. Maybe their only reason for uh, making us in the first place, you know, is that we would procreate and then we'd get real smart and we'd do things. And there's all these natural resources like steel and copper and stuff that was exploitable, and now we've exploited it all, and now it's all laying on the surface. And, you know, imagine people wanting to make spearheads back in the Stone Age or whatever. They can find that stuff on the surface. Now try it. Well, Everybody went to the Stone true. Age. We'd never be able to find nothing. Uh, but anyways, these aliens could come down and just collect. Now it's all made. It's all this steel is all on the surface. So in other words, if they didn't have to encounter us poor human beings, they could just collect all the scrap and they would have all this, uh, well, everything, right? So, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Victor, hello there. On Skype. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? I do. Oh, great. Um, first of all, I want to say thanks for uh, accepting my call. You're um, actually, I want to tell you an interesting story um, that happened to me a couple of years ago with uh, me and my cousins. Okay. Um, okay, well, we were uh, hanging out in the garage. and um, I do we that just, a lot, um, just hang out in the garage. Yeah, we were just drinking some beer, you know, hanging out. And um, my cousins had, like, a 90s, like, caravan. And... Um, it turned on, like, all of a sudden, and uh, we went outside and we went to go check it out. And oh, It turned on they, all by itself, like Christine. Yeah, and they don't have an automatic starter or anything. Okay. 
and we heard it turn on, so we went outside. And? And um, we looked in the sky, and we noticed um, some sort of glowing light or, like, orb. And like, a, like you mean a, like a giant glowing key fob? Um, it's it was more like a light beam, <laughs> and it and it kind of like I'm I know it's like every UFO uh, UFO story you hear. <laughs> it's um, it kind of just disappeared. You know what I mean? Yes, they generally do. And um, and we have until this day we still don't know how the van turned on. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, like I said, a giant glowing key fob. That's all I can figure. Who knows? Uh, interesting story. And uh, if you, oh, uh, yeah, if you're still there. Uh, you heard the story about George H. W. Right? Is that a yes or no? Um, not the entire story, but oh, well, he said that. Okay, well, he said, or is reported to have said that if human beings knew the truth about um, aliens or UFOs, actually UFOs, that we couldn't take it. Really? Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we'd all break down and go berserk. He didn't actually say that. But that, oh. that, that, that was the, you know, I guess the idea. Anyway, I don't even know if the story is true. Um, thank you very much for the call and take care. Let's go to uh, our Scott Free line and say you're on the air. Hello. Hello, we're on air. Uh, you're on air, yes. All right, Art. Just want to say a great show. Thank um, you. Started listening to you about five years ago. I just wanted to tell a little bit of story that I had. Um, hopefully, what I am hoping for is someone else seen it. Um, so let's go back. This is about two, 2012, 2000. Yeah, I believe 2012 uh, in Chicago, Illinois. Okay, this um, is going to be another UFO story, right? Oh, absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So, what did you see? Okay. Well, for some reason during this uh, summer. I was very interested in stargazing out of the blue. Um, so I bought myself a telescope and um, started looking at the sky. I was with, um, actually, I was by myself, and my two roommates were, oh, there he is again. He's looking up. Don't break your neck. Yeah, you know, I'm, um, you are on my scot-free line now. Does this end up being a scot-free story? Um... No, huh? I, I, let me. It does not. But uh, oh no! See, me... all right. Thank you. Sorry. Cruel, mean me. That's only for scot-free stuff. You know, if you have if you have a UFO story to call, I'm happy to hear from you. Just call one of the normal lines. Do not call my special line. That line is reserved for people who got away with something scot-free. And if I don't observe the rules, then others will break them. Again and again and again and again. Uh, from, I think, uh, I'm not going to say where you are, but you're on the air. Hello. Hi, I'm from Oklahoma. <laughs> okay, well, you said it yourself. Howdy. Oh, I'm sorry. Howdy. Yeah, I just had a quick question about uh, Single 7 from 1998. Uh, what about him? Yeah, have you ever heard back from him? Nope. You have not? We I'm thought that was one of the most interesting conversations ever. Well, with a lot of interesting things, sir, and particularly time travelers, many times you don't hear back from them because they have, well, gone to another time. Right. So one of my questions, I guess, is, um, is there anything about that conversation? Were there any discrepancies that you heard as you look back or listen back to that <laughs> about that conversation with him? Um, none that I know of. 
How about you? Um, none that I know. Um, one of the interesting things that uh, we found is that uh, the uh, the Ark of the Covenant. He mentioned that that may be found in Ethiopia in, I think, 2037. Yeah, you may and, be right about that. Uh, a lot of people think it's uh, Ethiopia where it's held. Yeah, they, they mentioned it on CNN uh, just recently, so then I was just curious. Must be true, you, then. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> um, so was that one of the most interesting interviews you've ever had? Oh, gosh, how could I pick? I, I, You know, people ask me that all the time, the most interesting interview, the most interesting topic. Oh, my God, I've done so many. I have done thousands upon thousands upon thousands of interviews. And so to pick one out would be impossible. Uh, yes, I, I guess it could be said it was one of the the more interesting. It certainly stood out in your mind, right? And on Skype, you're on the air. Hello. Uh, hi, this is Connor uh, in Oklahoma. Hey, um, Connor. Hey, well, I gave you a call before about a demon story I had. Yes. Uh, yeah, about a, uh, about a how it would talk to me and uh, kind of torment me and stuff. I kind of wanted to give you a call back. I was a bit nervous, and I didn't really tell you. Uh, everything. I think you'd be interested to hear this other part about it. Okay, I'm I'm interested. Go ahead. Well, you know, I told you before it would uh it would it would talk to me in the night as a as a small child and it would mess with me and make me upset and it would really take joy in uh in doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason I the reason I called it a demon when I told you is because I did actually see it. Okay. Well, um. Uh oh. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. I, I clicked on somebody. Uh, my screen was getting very crowded with Skypes, and I clicked on somebody and I should not have. And when I did that, it cut you off. So bring your demon back when you're able to. Uh, outside the country, you're on the air. Hi. Good I odd, is it me? It is you. Okay, uh, I just want to um, relate a theory that I thought about um, a missing time abduction cases. Yes. Um, it, this uh, theory came to me when I was listening to um, your show with Travis Walton. And uh, one of the things he said was that uh, before uh, the case with the UFO happened, they were cutting uh, timber down and he was nearly hit by a tree. Mm. And uh, what came to me was that perhaps he was in another reality. Maybe he was hit, and, hit by a tree. And uh, they took him to the hospital, and he was, you know, uh, he maybe died on the operating table. And uh, then uh, his, his spirit sort of gone into this other reality where it's kind of rewritten time and uh, rewound it back to before the accident occurred and then sort of concocted this uh, timeline where he's abducted by a UFO and he appears five days later. Um, and... Some, one of the things that sort of made me think of that was that uh, after he said he, he came back, uh, he was never sick at work after that. And uh, I, it, I wanted to ring up and ask him a few questions at the time, but, but I'd only just come across the idea. But I wanted to ask him things like, you know, was there things like scars on his body that were, were missing? Um, because what would have had to have happened would be that uh, when he went 
into this other sort of a timeline, his body would have had to have been repaired. Um, and it may have been repaired purely on the memory of what his body was. I see. Uh, of his own idea of what his body was. Well, that's basically uh, it, you know, um, if you can get repaired in that way, then I'd like to be picked up. Otherwise, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, I thought it, it still could be true with people with missing time because uh, a lot of them are in dangerous situations when they see UFOs. Like, for instance, people see them when they're driving. Um, people may be sleeping with sleep apnea. Uh, Boy, you know, you just brought up a good point. Think how dangerous that is for a UFO to be toying about in the sky, and you know darn well people driving are going to do what? They're going to look up. How dangerous no, I mean, is that? I think the UFO is, is a fabrication. It's, uh, I think it's they possibly uh, had an accident and died, and the, the, the whole sighting of the UFO is something to cover that fact, so that uh, because it may be too uh, difficult for people to remember the fact that they died and would interfere with their timeline now. Yeah, it's always hard remembering when you die. There is that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. what, what do you think about this H.W. Bush story? True well, or false? Whether he said it or not, I That's have right. no idea. All right. Um, well, then you're I, with And me. it's very ambiguous what he, said any, what he supposedly said anyway. It's not ambiguous at all. Nothing. The American people couldn't take it. Uh, What's ambiguous isn't about that? that? Just a, isn't that just a line from some movie or anyway? Like no. Oh, no, sir. No, 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 no. That's uh, that's from the Brookings Report. A great study was done on this at the Brookings Institution. And the Brookings Institution found that the American people could not take it, that institutions would collapse, that terrible things would happen. Now, I'm not saying George Bush said this, but, you know, what I am saying is that, number one, if he said it, it seems like it could be real because of Brookings. Uh, number two, he's made other comments. And number three, he was, in the, he was head of the CIA. And number four, he was president. That is four, right? <laughs> he was president. So he would know. If anybody would know, H.W. would know. Now, maybe he didn't say it, maybe this is an Internet rumor, but I have my suspicions it may be true. And if it is, then it may eventually hit the mainstream media. And again, I call to your attention Roswell. No, well, yes, Roswell and then Phoenix, where uh, the lights appeared, the craft appeared, we screamed and yelled about it on the air here, and then two months later, when they darn well got ready to talk about it, they talked about it, and it was like somebody threw a switch. And it was on every major network, every major uh, wire service carried it. Two months later, <laughs> on my scot-free line, you're on the air. Hello. Hello? Hello. Yeah, hey, Art. Hey. Yes, uh, I got a pretty good one for you, actually. Um, <laughs> well, it is to me. It was at the time. I'm in my 50s now. Um, back when I was like, uh, oh, 21, 22. Yes. I was out rolling around in Portland in my Monte Carlo with uh, three guys that I'd just kind of piled into the car with. Uh, marijuana wasn't really very legal back then. And neither was hash oil or anything like that. They're not exactly fully legal now either. 
No, no, they're not. No, I've been quit for like 13 years, but I did smoke it for most of my life. But um, I don't really feel the need for it. But anyhow, back then, um, these guys that were just rolling around. Now, I had a few plants at home. Yes. And I learned how to isomerize and make hash oil. And uh, I had a little bit of it in a bottle cure. Yeah, excuse me, a bottle cap. Yes. And a little bag. Uh, in, in my pocket, and we were sitting in this neighborhood smoking this stuff. Yes. And like cops do, this one came out of nowhere, and he was just at my door. And I go, oh, well, this ain't good, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he, I rolled down my window, and I, yes, officer. He says, you boys uh, up here getting in trouble. Uh, one of the neighbors called in and said they saw you smoking marijuana. And you really shouldn't be doing that around here. And I go, yeah, well, sorry, you're probably right. Well, uh, do you have any on you? And I had it right there in my lap. So, uh, yeah, so I handed it to him. Um, the hash oil was in that bottle cap. Um, you just hand, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. You just I, handed, I handed a, a, an officer um, hash oil? But, no, no, a bag of pot on my lap. It was probably a quarter ounce. All right, well, okay, that's good. All right. The hash oil is in a bottle cap on the lid to the glove box, which was open. Gotcha. And uh, I was starting to sweat, and he says, well, don't you step out the car? So I did, and he has me dump it out on the ground and then has me crushing into the pavement there with my shoe. You know? Good so sign, actually. Yeah, yeah yes. And uh, he says, well, do you have anything else? Well, I got a pipe, and I handed him that. And uh, I didn't know if the other guys had anything or not. And he says, do you mind if I look around? And I says, well, uh, no, not really. Yeah, I didn't know nothing back then. At this um, point, your you stomach know. is sinking, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the irons to get clapped on and stuff. But I understand. He digs through the car. He asks the, asks the other fellows there, do you guys have it? No, uh-uh, no, just what he had there. He was just sharing. And uh, he digs through the car. He doesn't get the other guys out. And he reaches in, and he's rooting around in my glove box. And he gets back out, and um, he's talking to me there. And he hands me back my license. Yes. And he says, all right, well, you're good to go. And that's where the time I see that bottle cap of hash oil stuck on his cuff link. Oh, God. Really? I'm not kidding you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> All right, I'll bite. Story. What next? What happened? Huh? What happened? He, he drove off. I drove off. He, he drove off. <laughs> I dropped the other guy's home. I went home to my wife. <laughs> yeah, and probably just had a few hail marys. <laughs> so he. Yeah, I said some thank yous. That's for sure. Oh my God! I wonder when he finally discovered it and what he thought when he did. Oh, I have no idea, but I'll bet he was really ticked because that stuff probably got all over his uniform. Oh, it man. You, wasn't you, the real high-grade clear stuff. It yeah. was just sorry, Nancy. Story of the night so far, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Art. Thank you for the call. It's um, <laughs> <Scott> free. <laughs> him walking away without on a stuck to him. Oh, that one's good, all right. <sighs> That's going to be a good night. As someone said, I got knocked off Periscope. I'll check it out. From the high desert, this is Midnight in the Desert. I'm Art Bell.
From the high desert and the great American Southwest, this is Midnight in the Desert, exclusively on the Dark Matter Digital Network. To call the show, dial 1-952-CALL-ART. That's 1-952-225-5278. Somebody said, well, I didn't let the bee guy get to his whole story. I sure tried. He kept talking about the bee hovering right in front of his face and something about assimilation. And all I could get out of it is that he's probably now part of the hive mind. He was assimilated. On the first time caller line, you are on the air. Hello. Hey, this is Dale from Idaho. Hello, Dale. How are you doing, Art? It's an honor to speak with you. It's an honor to have you on, sir, especially as a first time caller. Yeah, I've been listening to you for years, and I signed up as a time traveler right away, right when I heard you were coming back on the air. Well, thank you. Uh, it's kind of hey, cool uh, be, being able to go back to old shows uh, and get what you missed. Yeah, it, 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 it is definitely worth worth the, the, the plug. It's worth it because it makes my day at work go by so much faster. Um, I have an idea for the future for an open line. And that would be? I call it. I call it the uh, Snowden line, and it would be for military and government whistleblowers. I like it, the Snowden line. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Art, I um, I you know, over the years I've been on the internet and I've tried to get as many archives of yours as I can, you know. Yes. And I uh, looked on your Wikipedia page, and? and it says that you interviewed Dr. William Pierce, the gentleman, well, I guess you can call him a gentleman, who wrote the Turner Diaries. Sounds and right was to me. One, yeah. Oh, I, I remember hearing an interview you did with Emmanuel McLittle of Destiny Magazine, and he was kind of on the opposite spectrum of that. Right, and right. I, I really want to, want to hear those um, audios, but I, for nothing, I can't find them. Well, okay, okay, the deal is this, um, folks, here's the deal. Look, I don't own those archives. Those archives are owned by the other, and um, they play them as they play them, and I, I don't know what will cause them to choose any particular archive. I have no sway over what they may or may not pick, uh, but eventually, for the collectors out there, I know, I know there are many, I suppose everything will... <laughs> one time or another, play. Now, why they do that over there, I don't know. Because the last thing you would think that they would want would be to be advertising my name. Because we're back. But they continue to do it. I've never understood it, but I understand that it makes the collectors uh, very pleased. All right, so let's go here. I'm not going to identify where you're on the air. Hello? Hi. Okay, you're not allowed to use your last name on the air, so I took it out. So let's start okay. again. Your first name is what? Robert. Okay, Robert. I'm known around the world as the Summoner. The Summoner? Yes. What do you summon? Uh, I, I'm, a, I, I'm able to call down uh, 
UFOs. I'm having an event on Sunday at MacArthur Park in Los Angeles. I'd like to invite everybody that's listening. And you're going to and, summon a UFO? Yes, I've done it many times. Uh, surprised you haven't heard about me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, I hear something I'm, in the background going, tap, 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 tap. What's that? Oh, uh, let me turn this off. Um, I'm having an event, and it's going to be held uh, from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Right. At MacArthur Park. Uh, there's going to be uh, some special uh, people there. That what do you plan we... on? What are you going to summon? I summon UFOs. Yes, yes, yes. I know, but I mean, anything in particular? Is it going to be a big one, a little one? Is it going to be really impressive? Um, I really, I really can't tell what's going to show up. Most of the time, uh, uh, small ones show up, but uh, sometimes uh, some uh, craft show up. You know, I, I, they're very. The reason why they do things, I really can't explain. Uh, I, I'm sure they try to protect themselves. All right, let's try and, uh, another angle. How is it that you are able to summon? Well, I discovered that I could do this, and uh, I telepathically called them down. And uh, I've taught people all around the world how to do it, and, and they're doing it around the world. Okay, teach me my... how to do it. How do you do it? Well, what I do is I look up in the sky, and I telepathically... Um, Call them. Mine, I tell them, yeah, I do. I see. And I and I and I look as deep into the sky as I can, almost like Superman. It might sound funny, but uh, that's what I do. And I telegraph the message to them. To me, it sounds like a superpower. And I, I was thinking of doing a superpower line one of these nights. So well, uh, that would be great. Be one for you to call uh, on. Uh, so MacArthur uh, Park. Um, what time? It'll be held from 11 a.m. till. Uh, 5 p.m. All right. Well, normally I don't allow plugs on the air, but I let you do that. So uh, there may be some people out there uh, checking out what you're doing. I don't know. Jack on Skype, you're on the air. Roswell, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to have you back. Uh, I'm a uh, Skype virgin. I just figured out how to do it. A Skype virgin. Yeah. (laughs) The rest of you is now gone forever. Anyway, welcome. I guess so. Uh, what I wanted to relate to was a small story, and I, I don't know if it has anything to do with paranormal or not, but it had something to do with spirits and experiencing one. Well, that sounds paranormal. Okay. I uh, I uh, was a, a neighbor to an elderly couple. They were very good friends of mine. Right. Uh, the elderly lady developed Alzheimer's disease, yes, which sir. was sad. And her husband always had a hard time, uh, you know, explaining who he was to her, things like that, because he would forget. Right. One day I was just working out in my garage, and she was sitting on the porch, and uh, I was testing the stuff I was working on, and I'd go back, and I'd see she was still sitting there, and time and time throughout the day she was still sitting there. So I finally went over to find out what's going on, and she said, well, I'm waiting for my husband. Yes going to go out to breakfast. And uh, what's taking him so long? Because I've seen you sit out here. Well, he's just getting ready. And she didn't realize how much time had gone by. So I went into the house to see what was going on, and I looked all over the house for him, could not find him, could not find him. Right. I said, are you sure he's in the house? And she says, he's getting ready to go. And I finally decided to walk into the master bathroom. Yes. And this is where I know for sure that there are spirits 
and it, souls. Because? The minute I walked through the frame of the door, I felt him go straight through me and a tingling feeling all around me, and mm. I pulled back the curtain in the shower, and he had died of a massive heart attack oh slumped up in the tub. You know, sir, I've heard so many stories like that. Um, that's really something. That is freaky. And I, I, I've heard people say I was over my, you know, dying grandfather or something, and he died, and I felt his soul go through me. And so you really did feel that, huh? That made me a believer. The minute I walked through the door frame of the bathroom, he was there waiting until his wife was found and taken care of before he left. Man, what a story. That's what I put together from it. Gotcha. Thank you so very much, and, uh, yeah, and take you. care. Wow. You know, this is why people believe in this sort of thing, because it does happen, and it happens again and again and again and again. So, yes, after a while, you begin to believe that there are things beyond our physical, material existence. There are. And that's why we do this show. Those are the big questions, the really, really, really big questions. Don't you think? Let's go to uh, Denver, Colorado, and say hello. You're on the air. Hey, Art. Hey. This is your undefeated atheist from Denver, Colorado. Yes, sir. I'm going to go ahead and let you in. Like, I I know that, you know, there's a lot of people here that they honestly do hate me for my skepticism on majority of the shows, but I will. Why would anybody hate anybody for well, uh, skepticism? Well, you know. Now, you're in, wait, 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 wait. You're, okay. a, you're an atheist. I am. So that's not just being a skeptic. That's uh, sort of a religion of, of disbelieving, yes. Uh -huh. Yes, but don't call it a religion because not stamp collecting is not a, uh, you know, hobby. Uh, that's pretty close. So, it's pretty close. I will tell you. Would you like to actually hear the story that made me question the only thing that made me question my atheism? Because there was one time I had, which I believe was a, uh, a haunting, that well, actually made me question my atheism. Well, I should hope. <laughs> okay. So. You're hearing from the other side. Uh, so, it's a good story, Art. I'm not going to lie. Well, like, it, can't be I, a very, it cannot be such a hot story if you're still an atheist. I well, I I it made me question it. I was kind of in the middle at the time, All and right, then fine. give me the story. And then it made me become an atheist right. even more when fine. I went ahead and dealt with it. But lay, I will lay it on story. me. Lay it on me. All right, here's my story. I used to live in Iowa, and in 2007, I moved to Greeley, Colorado. Mm -hmm. And when I moved there. I moved to my brother's house, and I lived in his spare bedroom that he had for his child, but his child wouldn't sleep in that bedroom because he was acting out. He was about three to four years old, and he really had a problem sleeping in his own room. But okay. before that, he had no problem. And they moved to this house, and I didn't believe their claims of the things that happened there okay, what is it that happened? Well, because of the fact that they were both, you know, they're both potheads, and before that they had both done methamphetamine, so I didn't believe it. I was straight edge. I didn't believe any of that because of the fact that they had done drugs before that. I thought that it had ruined their mind. Okay, so in other words, you thought their haunting was in their pot. 
Exactly. Yes, okay. And so, what happened? Well, when I moved there, I was watching uh, a DVD on their DVD player, and I was sitting there with a friend. I was laying on the love seat. He was sitting there in the recliner, and during that fact, it was the third season of uh, The Office, and I heard something, and it actually really shocked me. What? I was sitting there, and I heard something say in a whispering, deep kind of whisper voice saying, I'm sitting here. And that made me, like, kind of sit up, and I had one of those moments where I had a lump in my throat, and you can't speak kind of deal, like you're that scared. Yes. Yes, we can all relate, you're that scared. The person next to me said to me, oh, my God, what was that? And then they said back to me, they said, I heard something, something scared. And I said, yeah. I was like, I'm sitting here. They kind of heard it as well. Okay, now, that's that's your story. No, no, no. It gets it gets even further into it. And I can go into it, like, for about 30 more seconds, and I can go ahead and make you a believer, because it actually made me want... 30 seconds, 29, Okay, here. So... I'm sitting there, and nothing's happening, and my brother comes home one night, and my sister is working over at uh, the Kodak area over there in Windsor, and she comes back and says, hey, we've heard that this area is actually kind of a big haunting area. Ten seconds, sir. Oh, sorry, Art. No problem. Ten because seconds. of the fact that there's actually, you know, uh, there was a internment camp that was held here for all the people who lived here, you know, during World War II who were, you know, Jewish and... Uh, and, and so Jewish you're thinking and, it was one of them? Well, yeah, we actually had to deal with a few of them. All right. Well, thank you very much for the call. And you ran overtime, actually, your own uh, time prediction. You have to learn to tell stories sort of succinctly. And even after all that, you're still an atheist anyway. So, you know, I'm not sure what to tell you. On the uh, on the scot-free line, you're on the air. Hello. 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 Do you have a scot-free How story? You, I'm fine. Do you have a scot-free story? Yes, I do, sir. All right, proceed. And this is Paul. Yes, Paul. And I tried before with Skype, and uh, it not... Did not get along, uh, so we'll go landline. When I was in my 20s, I and two other friends of mine decided, because we, we, we made these little challenges, to go to a government area. And I can't tell you the name of this area, but anyone associated with the Navy will know it, and it's in Indiana. Okay. It's now defunct. All right. Uh we went in on a snowy night and thought we could we could slip in and slip out and we got in this area and the military police were all over us mm-hmm. now we were very fit we parked our vehicle like 3 miles out jogged in and we were trying to move and every time we moved they moved and finally we 
got our... Were you running? Youthful. Uh, we were jogging okay. and snow about about uh, eight inches deep. We got our, uh, our our little dumb young heads together and said, somehow they know where we're at. And maybe it's body heat. Mm-hmm. And there was a small um, building that was actually how we got on was through this this private property this this farm just just a stupid farm gate and that's that was the hole in their security and we got in this building because there were animals in the building and I'm sitting there and I I mean we figured we're done we figured we're toast I mean you know they're going to take us out and shoot us we're going to spend the rest of our life in Leavenworth I mean we had to give up. Because everywhere we moved, I mean, we even let the snow drift over us, and they, they got on, they got on us again. So somehow you got inside, you hid among the cows, and your body heat was the same as theirs. Well, that's what we thought at the time, and I think now saved our bacon. But the funny part of this story is, I mean, I'm scared. <laughs> I mean, we went out looking for a, for a cheap thrill, and buddy, we got our nickel and our dime's worth. I'd rather rebuild an old swan, every resistor and capacitor and tube at a time. <laughs> and it was tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you've been there. All right. Buddy. Okay, so uh, I felt funny, and I reached back behind me, and I got a handful of snotty cow nose, and I about did my pants. I mean, I did not know what this thing was. Well, I, I mean, got... be respectful, yeah. sir, when you eat beef jerky. That's all I can say. And and we got back out in one piece. So, I mean, that was very scot-free. I'm sure I would still be inhabiting a, a cell somewhere in Leavenworth because we, we actually found what we thought was a nuclear facility in there. But aside from it, you know, we got out. We all grew up. Um past my sixth decade an amateur operator like you and you see me occasionally sign off of my my calls right uh, we don't put those on the air but uh, all right thank you very much i appreciate it and uh, you take care seven threes as they say i think everybody has had one of those moments when you get away with something that you probably have no right getting away with he mixed up his own body with cows. Uh, life is like that. Sometimes you get away with things, and sometimes you simply don't get away with them. And then you spend, well, time with other people who are also incarcerated for reasons of not getting away with whatever they were doing. Anybody wanting to comment on this, uh, this George H.W. Uh, Bush story? are certainly welcome to. I think it is the question of the weekend. Is it a true story? Is it a false story? Is it something that uh, is, well, kind of true, but not being reported by mainstream media? I don't know. You're raging into the night with Midnight in the Desert. To be part of the show, please call 1-952-CALL-ART. That's 1-952-225-5278. Or, of course, on Skype at uh, 
MITD51 or outside North America, MITD55. And with that in mind, let's see, where should we go? Let's uh, give that person time to set up. By the way, uh, there has been no, as of yet, uh, JC presence. So, if this show goes by without JC making some sort of appearance, I am going to conclude that the person doing the posting on Facebook, well, just is not working for the Lord. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Oklahoma City, uh, hello. Hello. Going once. Right. Yes. Hey. Hey, thank you for taking my call, sir. Yes, you bet. Um, me and my brother are big fans. He was actually talking to you earlier. You actually hung up on him about demons, but we, we still we still love you, though. I just wanted thank to tell you that. It's nice. Um, yeah, I, 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 I just wrote down my points to, uh, you know, get it uh, clarified. Um, with with uh, I just wanted to bring up free speech in general with, you know, truth of the government and, you know, conspiracies or whatnot. And it's like I struggle with, like, speaking my mind because I don't want to be... I can hear that. Uh, ...you know, demonized or, you know, segregated against. And even though uh, some stuff is, like, obvious... Uh, like you know, what? what? What are you talking about? Like, like, well, like the, 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 gun, the gun laws and... Uh, gun, and gun laws? Yeah, like 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 trying to confiscate, like trying to demonize guns when it's clearly a mental health issue yes. with all these mass shooters. That's for I sure. Mean, uh, it, the, the pills that they issue these guys literally have suicide warnings in the commercials. And has anybody thought like maybe we should just prescribe them medical marijuana, which by the way hasn't killed one single person in the history of mankind? I'm not I'm not talking about inge- ingesting. I'm talking about smoking. You physically can't. You physically can't die from it. It's impossible. That's pretty good for uh, uh, ten billion people, you know, total in the history of the mankind. But um, anyways, I'm, I'm kind of going a little rampant. I've had two nap drinks, so I'll, I'll be honest with you. Ah, uh, see, so you're over the limit. I, I could tell when, <laughs> when you first called. I could tell you were just I'm all splintered off. You didn't know what you wanted to talk about. Uh, well, I, I love your show. I love everything you cover. You have a great positive vibe. Yes. But to respond to the atheists that called in earlier, I actually used to be an atheist. I was a Christian, and I became, I thought I was an atheist in college, like a lot of people. Yes. Um, but but I saw the hypocrisy of atheism and how you're automatically, with the exception of Penn Jillette, you're automatically, uh, you have to be socialist and liberal. And then, uh, you know, you're tolerant of Islam, but Islam isn't tolerant of you. Sir? And it doesn't make any sense. Sir? Sharia law is... Sir, I'm, I'm going to have to leave the line, and you can have another one, okay? Okay. Uh, you cut me off? Uh, yeah, I am. I okay, am. that's I'm fine. Cutting you off. Thank you, and uh, have a good day. You're on the air. This is midnight. Hello. Let me speak to Mr. Bell immediately. Oh, my God. Is it really? Is this our bill? It is. How dare you, Mr. Bell? You, who, you know who this is? I'm not sure yet. I'm listening to every little bit of tonal quality in your demon-filled voice. How dare you? The rumors 
of J.C. Webster III's demise are greatly exaggerated and, in fact, defamatory, Mr. Bell. Defamation. Yes, I can show you for that. I can take you to court and get every red penny out of your subscription service. And how do you like that? Huh? Well, you know, I didn't say I, I didn't say you were dead. I said if I don't hear from you pretty soon, I'm going to conclude that you've passed on. That's all. There's nothing defamatory in that. And you were delighted in that, wouldn't you? Yes. All right. So uh, tell tell us, JC, just stop, stop. Let's find out what's been going on in your life. For example, uh, you disappeared into w the wilderness, virtually disappeared. And then you had somebody writing on your Facebook telling us that you were out there alone and cold. Is that true? That was Petunia. She doesn't know my temperature. Okay. But listen, but don't try to get off topic. What happened was you know that you had that devil woman on. I did. She cursed she cursed upon J.C. and put upon a curse upon him. J.C., how would you know? How would you know who I had on if you were out in the middle of the wilderness? This was before. This is what drove J.C. to the wilderness was the sickness oh. and the demonetry that had been put upon J.C. Yes. yes, an attempt to kill J.C. So, did you have a stroke or did you have a heart attack? What happened? Fell into a deep sickness. An overriding demonetry was upon the demon presence. The demon spirit had come down, yeah. down, down, down upon J.C. Webster and put upon by the witch which you had upon the airways because you knew that J.C. would rebuke you and go into spiritual warfare. So J.C. was called into the wilderness by the Lord, by God himself to have an audience with the Lord and go through the underworld and deal with all the demons. Did you meet, did you meet the Lord? I met with the Lord and received the new, the revelation of the blood moon. And you know what the Lord told J.C. Webster? She would have been out there during the blood moon, that's true. What, what did the, the Lord, Lord, what, what did the Lord the say? Lord said, J.C., you have been so kind and tolerant and forgiving up until this point. You have been weak in my presence. And you need to get it together. The spiritual cold war is over. J.C., the spiritual cold war. And you are now the anointed one. A re-anointed, re-anointed with a new purpose revealed under the blood moon. And yes, yes, and add this, the Lord commanded J.C., taketh a bride. A bride? And what yes. happened? Wait, wait, what happened to Edna? Where? Who? I'm sorry, who? I'm not sure who. Oh, the woman who stole $10,000 of the Lord's money from J.C. Webster ran off with the bikers and got into the shootout in Waco. Yeah, she caused that. That's what she's up to, that no good corruptizer. But you're trying to get me off the topic of my bride, my newfound love. Listen, the Lord has anointed J.C. and commanded, oh, listen, Art, that's a woman who's willful in the ways of the Lord. Oh, so you are now you're you're now wedded to Kim, is that right? Not wait, give give me a minute here, Mister Bell. If you would let me just have a minute to talk, I would like to get here upon my knee and say to you, this is to you, Kim Davis. Will you marry me? Oh, matrimony. Oh. oh yes, yes, Mister Bell. A union. Uh, uh, this is what the Lord wanted. He called me to the wilderness to explicitly command me to take her as a bride. So you are now proposing on the air 
to Kim. On the air to Kim Davis. If you, anyone who, who knows her, just call her <laughs> and play her this tape. Play her the cassette and let her know she's got a, she's got a husband. A husband. If she wants. Hallelujah. Yeah, but I'm, uh, all right. JC, it's. What, what are you talking about? Uh, if she wants it, if she wants you, I mean, of it's course. great that you made a proposal on the air and all that stuff, but how do you know she wants you? Of I mean, course she does. Has she heard she you? Wants... Has she heard you? I would think so. <laughs> well, I would think that she would want to do the Lord's will a hundred percent. And how do you and know? How do you know? Wait, wait, a minute. JC. Do you know what 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 her belief system is? She's a Christian. I know that she. Listen. Yes, she's working. All right. She should be at home in the kitchen. That's right. Barefoot, but no doubt. At least she's working for the Lord, and she brings in her beliefs and doesn't allow the queers to push us around, bake us a cake, or else we'll sue you. Listen. It's that time's over. The spiritual, no more Mr. Nice Guy. We're trying to rise up as Christians and take this nation back from the filth and the gutter scum that are polluting this nation and turning it into the most vile pit of sin this side of France. This side of France? You mean there's and a country millions. that, there's a country that's actually more sinful than we are? Well, France. And probably France. Japan. And, and Japan. <laughs> really? Yeah. France, I get. I don't get Japan. Uh, it's good to hear you back, JC. Listen, listen, you're not letting me talk about how the Canadians are holding Randy Quaid hostage, trying to hostage him in, in, in a deal to exploit America. Um, so the Canadians are holding him in a jail right now. How come that's not on your news program? Say goodbye, JC. I don't have to take that kind of abuse. Say goodbye, JC. Say goodbye, America. Good night, America. Ah, he's gone. <sighs> so, what do you all think? When you're in need of a good radio, why not get the best in reception and audio? If you couldn't tell by now, this is Bob from C. Crane. The CC Radio 2E is our very best AM and FM radio. With the 2E, you can hear your favorite station better. We found the most difficult part in building a radio is perfecting reception. The 2E brings stations in clear and can knock out interference from other sources. The sound from the 2E is impeccable. The audio can be adjusted for an accurate voice and also a rich musical performance. If the radio you're currently listening to has a hard time getting your station, or it's just time for a new one, I invite you to try the CC Radio 2E, which has the power and strength to bring the signal in better. We've been in the business for over 30 years, because radio is wonderful. To order the CC Radio 2E, call C-Crane now at 800-522-8863. That's 800-522-8863. Or visit ccrane.com. Hello, I'm Richard Dolan. Please join us at the Greater New England UFO Conference on Friday and Saturday, October 16th and 17th at Lemonster City Hall Auditorium in Lemonster, Massachusetts. Other speakers, Mark D'Antonio, Ray Hernandez, Paul and Ben Eno, Jan Harzan, 
Roxy's Wicker, and more. Admission is $25 for adults, $10 for age 12 and under. Visit the website at www.newenglandufo.com. Did the coming global superstorm recently pound your roof with hail? Well, it's not the end of the world. We can help. Visit AmericanGreenRoofing.com for a free roofing estimate. We're fully licensed and insured, and we work with all insurance companies. That's American Green, like the color, Roofing.com. But wait, how's this for the quickening? Use coupon code ARTBELL and get $1,000 off. Hey, what a deal. In the high desert, this is Midnight in the Desert with Art Bell. Please ring Art Bell at 1-952-225-5278. That's 1-952-CALL-ART. <laughs> Thank God the NFL is back. I needed that break uh, to recover just from the presence of J.C. I really needed that break. Um, yeah, that was J.C. I, uh, I guess he's back. He has arisen. Now, he has, he claims a new love. Well, anyway, he proposed here on the air to, uh, to somebody, and, um, it does appear that he spent some time in the wilderness that I caused, well, either a stroke or a heart attack by having Blanche on. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but how long has it been? I don't think I've heard JC in, Years? It's been years? That was Jay-Z, sounding a little bit older. Not necessarily any wiser. Definitely a little bit older. That was the real thing, all right. (laughs) I don't know what to say. Sean, on Skype, uh, you're on the air. Hello. Hello there. How are you? Um, Recovering. Yeah. Get a little anyway, closer, closer, uh, yeah. closer, closer to the mic, Sean. Is this better? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, hard to, you know, match the last call. But anyway, just had a few questions that I wanted you to answer. No, First, no, no. Match three, match three, the last call. Sorry? Match the last call. Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. Go, go, that's go ahead. Whatever you got, go. All right. I remember my question is like how far in advance do you book guests? Because I remember it's been it's been like about three weeks ago when you said you would have Neil deGrasse Tyson on. Oh yes. Is that still in the? Uh, oh books yes. Or? Yes, yes, yes. And to answer your question, uh, we stay about a month uh, ahead booked. Okay. Uh, so Neil so, deGrasse. Okay, is, so like in a he's week coming or so will be. Well, I'm not going to give it away, uh, but. Um, your guess is not far off, actually. All right. And um, second, and I know you're very tired of hearing this, but are are you, are you doing a Halloween special this year? Oh, of course. Okay, so... Uh, we're doing this... a whole sh- bunch of shows, actually, before, uh, during, and after Halloween uh, in celebration of the great month. Did you hear that, Jay-Z? Okay. Um, so just to give you an... 
opportunity, even though I know what the answer what the answer is going to be, even on the Halloween special, you will not tell your Ouija board story, right? That is correct. Oh, uh, okay. You, you, like 100%, you're not even the slightest? 110%. All right, all right. Well, thank you so much for taking my call, and best of luck to you. You're very welcome. No, I won't talk about that. Uh, I will advise all of you to stay uh, the hell away from it. I'm actually, I'm quite serious about that. Stay away from a Ouija board. They're they're just not good for you. They're not good for anybody. Uh, it could well be that you would bring something that your family uh, would have to deal with. It's just, it's bad news on our. Uh, our very special line, uh, you are on the air. What did you get away with, uh, Scott Free? Hello? Am I on now? Yes, you are. So, yeah, um, actually, Scott Free, this is um, uh, going into the president thing, and um, I'm actually from Portland, Oregon, and uh, the president came down here to Roseburg today. I heard and that, yes. I was actually... I was actually surprised that he didn't go into his gun issues. Well, were you actually there when he was the president was there? I was not actually there, but I talked to a few people that were there. I saw a lot of demonstrators. Yes, yeah, there was absolutely, and that was kind of the issue. But um, but my thing is, um, what happened to me in this um. When you were saying Scott, see, I've never told anybody this outright. Well, tell us now. Um, but when I, w- I was a, I was a, a team leader um, in the in the in the U.S. Army, and um, I actually held up a M16 to my squad leader's head. We just came back out from maneuver. We just got back in uh, the barracks, and. I didn't realize that there was an actual round. I had a magazine in my M16, but I didn't realize there was an actual round in the chamber. Mm, famous last words, literally. Yeah, I. But it honestly, it scares me to this day, and I think about it sometimes. It, but I, for some reason, I just didn't pull the trigger. But I had it pointed right at his face, and he was probably about thirty. Five feet from here. And you were doing this, why? Um, why were you pointing at him? Just being now? joking. Oh, uh-huh. Being stupid. Yeah. Being stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you later figured out there was a round in the chamber. Well, actually, when we, we actually, after that, we went out, came back, and when I went to sleep, I cleared my, I cleared my rifle, and a round popped out. Oh, my That's God. That's how I knew. And, because when I, when I cleared it, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, earlier, when I was pointing it at him, and if I, if I had to pull that... Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, believe me, I get it. And you got, you're right. You got away scot-free, buddy. Uh, I, I, well, I didn't do anything. I mean, at least that nothing bad happened, but... Close enough for comfort. Um, if there ever is a guardian angel out there... He must have been with you. On my shoulder that day. He or she yeah. was with you that day. All right, got it. Oh, good Lord. Can you imagine? Usually, if you're doing some stupid, idiotic, lame joke like that, you end up pulling the trigger. So, you know, you get the clicking sound, right? Only had he pulled that trigger, there wouldn't have been a click. There would have been a kaboom. And then there would have been, well, a trial. There would have been all kinds of trouble 
that that one goes down as a hot item as well for Scott Free. Our Scott Free line uh, is area code five seven five two zero eight seven seven eight seven, and it certainly is full. I mean, this is one that could go to next week. Uh, Felipe, you're on the air. Hello. Turn off my device. Uh, yes, uh, turn off your device, please. I had a quick question for you. I'll take my answer off the air. And that is? Uh, what's your favorite song? <laughs> That's so easy. Uh, you hear them every night. Uh, now, there are, to be frank with you, some songs that I desperately want to play that are pre-1972. There's a thing going on in the music industry right now. And you really can't play pre-72 songs unless uh, they have been remixed. You know, if a remix has been issued. So there are a bunch of songs I'm dying to play that I cannot play until they get it figured out. And they're working on that now. Let's go back to our Scott Free line in, um, I'm not going to say where it is. Hello. 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 Hi there. Is this up, Bill? Yes, Hi. It, it, it's this dark. is Melissa. Um, on the Scott, this is the Scott Free line, right? Right. Okay. This is um, happened a little over twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Me and my brother were in middle school, and we were bored one day, and we decided to have the bright idea. Hey, let's set up some two-liter bottles and bowl in the living room. Well, that didn't turn out that great because the ball turned and went through a sliding glass window. Oh, man. Yeah, so me and my brother freaked out for about a few minutes, and my brother had the bright idea, well, the house threw it. The house two doors down was for it. Why don't we just go and get the glass from there? And replace it before our folks got home and got in really bad trouble. Yes. So middle of day, me and my brother go next door, right? Unscrew the door, sliding glass, bring it back. Door. We're yeah. carrying this piece, big piece of glass in the mid middle of a major city. <laughs> Nobody ever says anything. We get it all put together. Our folks come home. Nobody was ever the riser. A couple of months later, that. Landlord asked my mom if she knew anything about it. She had no clue. Oh, so. <laughs> that's a real winner! I so you were lucky and it fit. Oh well, it, we lived in a. They were all cookie cutter houses. Gotcha. The same layout, the same everything. So. So if it had but, not worked out for you, I mean, you were piling one bad idea on top of another, really. Uh, Not much, but <laughs> that was lucky. All right, we were very lucky, and like I said back in, this was over twenty years ago, so we would have been in a lot of trouble with our Oh, folks. endless! Uh, yes, that goes down. Thank you, as one of the uh, top five of the night. Can you imagine that? We're going to have to do this line again. It's staying so full, and there are so many confessions waiting to be made. It's hard to pick. It really is hard to pick. Uh, let's just go to the regular old line and say, hello, you're on the air. Hello, Art. How you doing? This is Randy. Hi, Randy. Hey, man, it's, it is so good to have you back on the air. Thanks for coming back. We uh, really missed the news. It's good to be here. 
Okay, well, this will prompt the George Bush question. Uh, Good. I have a UFO story to tell you from the mid-90s. All right. Well, it was a Friday night, and I worked at a factory in my hometown, and I did the QC lab there. Uh-oh, you're breaking up a little bit. Oh, okay. How's this? How's that? Well, it, yelling doesn't help. I mean, okay. you've got to be sorry. in a good I'm spot. Trying... Okay. Well, what I'm trying to do is make sure that the gets in better. Well, what happened, I stopped in to do a quick check on, in the lab that night, and as I backed out of the parking lot, I looked to the north of town uh, across a mostly empty industrial area out there, and I noticed that there was a series of red and green lights in the sky. Yes. Kind of in an oval shape. Okay. I thought, no. No, this can't be. No, no. Uh, I, art, it was a huge UFO. Yeah. So, well, I mean, you are one of millions. So many have seen them. What did it do? Did it uh, just hover there or take off eventually? It was a very windy night, and it was sort of bobbling. And I thought, okay, no, no way. I backed out. I had a hot car. I took off straight north, and I'm I'm chasing after this thing. You wouldn't think a UFO would bobble in the wind. Well, that's I, I I've seen pictures of them kind of bobbling. They don't always hover level. Okay, the bobbling. videos. You so you took off after it in the car. Yes, I did uh, at speeds in excess of 100 miles an hour in industrial park. So it was bobbling right along. And it was moving, it was going across, and I was racing faster, and the, the thought crossed my mind, you know, I'm actually chasing one of these things. This might not turn out too good. Hmm. So I kept going. I got closer and closer and faster. Finally, I made a left turn, and I said, I've got you now. And hmm. I headed down this one road, and as I got up underneath it, I could see quite plainly on the side of it, Fuji film. <laughs> So okay. what you were seeing, obviously, was uh, some was sort of dirigible. Fuji, yeah, yes, it was a Fujifilm blimp trying to make it to our <laughs> local port. Yeah, and you, okay, you're breaking up again, sir. And and so, anyway. Uh, he, he was just trying to make it to the Austin, uh, the, the University of Texas football game. Gotcha. And think about it. You darn near killed yourself chasing after a Fujifilm advertisement in the air. My goodness. Michael on Skype, Hello. Hello, Art. Giga Roswells from Salt Lake City. Thank you, brother. And uh had a couple of just curiosity questions, you know, killing the cat, but hopefully satisfaction will bring them back, just okay. kind of geeky things. Yes. But uh, with your XDS uh, satellite yes. thing, I was just really curious, uh, do you send that directly from you, or do you still go to the Internet to Keith, and then does it go out from him? Well, it goes, to a pri- it goes from a primary server, is all I'm going to say, uh, directly to XDS, so they get a superb signal. Oh, fantastic. Well, I guess my uh, sort of scot-free story, it's nothing amazing like uh, some of these others, but I was a kid and, you know, doing some prank calling, and uh, the people called back all irate, and I happened to be the one that answered the phone, and I just changed my voice and said, I've tried to tell my kids <laughs> over and over not to do that. I will <laughs> have to talk to them again. I'm really, really sorry. And it worked? <laughs> yeah. Usually you're gonna like lower your voice. This is this is Jerry's dad. I'm sorry he did that. Right. That'll never happen again, and I will deal with him immediately. 
Exactly. But, yeah, I got away with it. (laughs) Well, uh, yes, you've got to realize that a lot of people have caller ID. (laughs) That that was just at the very end of the day's. Oh, oh yeah, they, they did have it. That's why they called it a bad Yeah, well, if you'd been caught, it could have been end days for you indeed. All right. Well, thank you very much for the call. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate it. I'm still uh, actually not over JC. This is a Friday night, anything goes, open lines night, midnight in the desert. Good to be here. We'll be right back. Well, not right back, but we'll be back. Spans the world. To call us from outside the U.S. and Canada only, use Skype with a headset mic if on a computer and call MITD55. That's MITD55. There is raging on the wormhole a great debate about JC. That was JC. No question about it. Now, did JC sound better? Oh, yes. But then again, we do sound better. You could hear little bits of the quality of his real voice, but you know, that was J.C. Absolutely no doubt about it. That was J.C. He has arisen. And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but it is a thing. (laughs) Thing. On our uh, on our Scott Free line, you're on the air. Hello there. Hi, Art. It has been years and years and years. Mm. I used to listen to you, and um, now you've grown up. You remember me? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, (laughs) yes, I I got away with my life, and to this day, when I think about it, I can't I can't even think about it too hard, or I start to freak out. What happened? So. In about the late 90s, probably around the time I started listening to you, mm-hmm. uh, I was a commuter student. I was living at home, and I was commuting to a school about 30 or so miles away. Yeah. And it was a very nice drive there. And the main road that took me there was about two lanes going in each direction, but it had a kind of a look of a country road. And, and cars, it was a road a road that there that cars would normally use, but this happened that my class, I guess, okay. must not have been during rush hour. And there I was on this beautiful straightaway, scenic trees, and I stepped on the brake, and my car accelerated. You stepped on the and brake and it accelerated. Yes. yes. Oh my God. And. Stepping on the gas did nothing. It didn't make it go slower or faster. Yes. I, my mind was racing. I. So was your car. To look, the brake, just touching the brake made it go even faster. It was unreal. And I started to look around. I guess I, I was trying to think back to driver's education in high school. Where do I ditch this car? Are there some 
soft bushes? Would I rather go into a house? I don't know what to do. And then I thought, oh, well, I could. Finally, I decided I was going to throw my car into park. I had um, my seatbelt on. I always wore my seatbelt. Anyway, how fast were you going? It, the road was about generally a 35 to 40 mile per hour road. Yes. At that point, I was at least going 50. Yeah, it was. 50. I didn't know what to do. All right, well, did, I, it, it didn't occur to you to turn off the ignition, I take it? No, it really didn't. Okay. I'm not going to lie to you and say that wouldn't have been a great idea. It, that was that did not occur to me. So you threw it into park? No. No? I looked down. I looked down at the gear shift, or whatever it's called. It was an automatic. And I thought, oh, hey, there's that N, maybe neutral. Yes. See what that would do. Right. And and I put it into neutral, and the car jolted, and it, it slowed down. And then I said, okay, uh, I had to try and steer it over to the side. I, I, I got it over to a big, um, there's a big shoulder, and, and it was kind of near civilization, and I managed to get it over there, and the brake worked, and the accelerator worked, and I just sat there. The whole thing had taken <sighs> about 20 seconds or so. Those were the longest 20 seconds of my I life. I bet they were. That is scary. And you're right. It's scary to think about. You got away scot free. Well, there's a lot of bad stories going around about that kind of thing happening. I'm sure you've seen them uh, in modern day. Boy. Right, scary. and this was on a car. This was, this was a 1987 car too, and it had just recently been serviced. And Weird. when the when the guys at the shop heard about that, they took action very quickly. And now looking back, I think they figured out what they did wrong, and they were just hoping that I didn't realize that they knew it. They were very apologetic. I but bet that, they were. Yeah. That right. was pretty bad, Art. Well, Scott Free, uh, thank you very much for the call, and take care. Let's go out of the country. I know to Japan. It's Michelle. Hi. Hi. So, um, two things. Uh, first of all, um, I sent you an email, and I don't know if you've gotten it yet. I also sent it on to Keith. Um, I sent it earlier today for me, so it would have been a few hours before the, the show started. Um, and why? I, what were you? Well, I saw the lights again, and this time they were bright enough that I could get a moderately decent picture. Okay, they this is Mount Fuji. She's talking about Mount Fuji, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, I also what I did was I, I sent uh, maybe three pictures of the lights, uh, two zoomed in, and then one kind of zoomed out. Oh, bless your heart. You've sent photographs. All right. Well, I will. And, I promise I'll look for them. Okay. And I also sent them, I think, if I did the email right, I sent them to Keith. Okay. There's also a daytime shot so you can see kind of where it is in relationship to the mountain and everything. Uh, so look for that. Wow. And uh, let me know what you think. It's wild. There's actually... Um, there's, it looks like two fireballs. They, they look like fireballs to me is the only way I can put it. All right, Michelle, done deal. one faded out, and a third one came in. So All right. you'll right. see two you got sets. It. We've got, we'll do it. Trust me. Now let me, before you go, ask you about this bush deal. Yeah, that was the other thing I wanted to talk about, actually. Okay. So great. Um, well, uh, two things with that. One, I first of all, I, I buy it just because... I know enough about him and his past and his family's past that uh, he's kind of a sh 
he's kind of a he's kind of the guy that I would believe for that kind of thing. I think with his sort of skull and bones kind of history and his uh, CIA involvement, questions about you know the Kennedy assassination, he's not a very well, he, clean guy. He, he ran the CIA, and I know. Uh, and then he was our president. So if anybody would know, he would know. Now this I could either so. be a, a vicious internet rumor, very very widely reported. Uh, one in which the mainstream press decided they would give him a break and not report it, in which case I, we'll find out about it much later, or it could be just bunk. You know, who knows? I, I think it doesn't matter to the mainstream press because who cares about Jeb Bush right now is their thoughts. <laughs> I mean, they're all focused on Trump, right? Yeah, so, that's true. But the funny thing about George Bush is um, the first time I ever called into a radio show was because of the uh, Bush Sr., um, it was right when Desert War started, uh, Desert Storm started. Right. Um, and I was maybe seven years old, I think, and I called into a r- local radio station and gave my opinion on the political viewpoints. And the commentator said, "Your your opinion is is better than everyone else has called in so far." And so you've been calling talk shows ever since. Uh, off and on. Very. Only recently have I been doing it more, but yeah. Well, we're happy to be here for you. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Take care. She's all the way over, and she looks at Mount Fuji every day in Japan. It is uh, really special, I think, to have this international coverage. Uh, You never know how I appreciate it. We can be heard around the world, are heard around the world. Not everybody's able to participate. I mean, for example, we're listened to in Europe a lot, but it's very early, uh, very early in the morning. I mean, people are just barely cranking awake, getting a little bit of uh, coffee into their system by the time we're on. Let's go to Trey. Hello, Trey. Hey, Art. How you doing? Really well. Let me cut that off real quick. There we go. Okay. Uh, I had one for your almost cut away with it line. Okay. Uh, in high school, it was summer 99. We were really into the X-Files and listened to your show a lot. And we got it in our heads that we were going to go to Fort Rucker, Alabama, and try and sneak on the base. <laughs> Not a good idea. <laughs> Not good, no. Well, we brought up, you know, Pentax and try and take pictures. We had seen a lot of weird things that we thought were UFOs. Okay, you're breaking up a little on me. Uh, you're going to have to be good and close to the microphone, whatever I'm that. Right on it. I'm actually hearing that, too. Okay. See if it works. No, it's not. I'll just call back part. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, having a rough time with that connection. Okay. Let's go to our scot-free line, uh, the real one, and say hello. You're on the air. Hi, Art. This is Millie. Hi. And um, I'm calling about another automobile one. That was strange. Okay. Uh, this was back when I was a teenager. You know how teenagers love to cruise? Well, we, we, we had a, a car full of kids. Right. And we were cruising down the road, and this was daylight. And all of a sudden, this truck comes out from a parking lot, and he's going to make a left, and it's a, a divided road, so it has an island in the middle. And he stops, and his rear end is right in our lane. And there's a car on our uh, right-hand side, so we couldn't swerve over. I wasn't driving. I was in the back seat. There's about six of us in this car. And um, so we just... I mean, we we all saw it coming. We knew we were going to hit that truck. Sure. His rear, the whole back end from the from the back wheel well out was sticking right in our way. And at first, we we just it it was, it was so quick. 
we all just kind of went dead silent. And it, we went through it, honest. We went through that truck. And oh, so this is like a scot-free paranormal story. It, yes, yes. We None of us really know how we talked about it. For I actually have heard these stories before. And uh, yes. so I, I believe you, you actually went through it. We went through the back of that truck, and everybody was dead silent when we did it. And we, we had a bunch of guys in the, in the car, too, you know, girls and guys. And, and when it was over, once they collected themselves, they all started hanging out the window yelling at the guys <laughs> were going down the road. When, when, when it happened, when you went through it, did you feel anything? I was scared. It, it was almost, I was actually kind of almost looking at it from above the car there for mm -hmm. a second. You know, wow. kind of like we were, I could see the road and I could, yeah, we did. It, right. And we were all talking about that. It was like, it was just so strange. All right, strange indeed. All right, that's a, a paranormal scot-free story. Hello there, you're on the air. Hello. Hello. Hi, um, this is Adrian. And I wanted to tell you about a paranormal attachment I had. Okay. Um, it started when I was three, and it was in an old house that um, my family and I used to live in. And I don't remember how many people died in the house, but I know there was quite a few. And um, my brother and I, we were playing in the basement one day, and I had turned around to tell him something and saw a blue... Um, it looked like, I just saw the left side of him, it looked like a skeleton wearing a cloak. <laughs> and I freaked out, and I started running up the stairs and banging on the door. I mean, the basement door was locked, and there was no way that, I mean, I was three years old. I was way too small. I couldn't reach the lock. My brother, you know, he was a child. He couldn't reach the lock. We didn't We didn't know how the door got locked. Yeah, um, Yeah, kind of creepy. And then, I mean, I'm... I'm fairly sensitive, and I always felt him around me, but I I never saw him. And uh, on Easter, when I was seven years old, and a few years later, I was at my grandmother's house, and I felt him again. And I was so used to it, I didn't you know I didn't say anything, but it was Easter, so my my dad was taking a lot of pictures, and at that time he had taken a picture of me, and he loaded it to his computer and blew it up, and he saw um, like little bubbles behind my shoulder. Really? And when he zoomed in, it looked like that same face that I saw, that skeleton face. And uh, Do you still have the photograph? I believe I do, yeah. Dig it up. Scan it. Send it to me. Oh, I will. You know, we deal uh, in that sort of thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to find it. Um, but the thing about the skeleton face is that his teeth weren't like normal human teeth. I mean, they were... Um, they look like it. They were just much larger, like much, much larger. Um, when I was 15, you mean like, I, again... For example, teeth that would go after a neck? Um, I, I mean, it was just like having teeth like we do, but just 10 much times bigger. bigger. I got you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I felt him again when I was 15, and my dad walked up the stairs, and um, he said that he saw it watching me. And I, I mean, I was sitting right there, and I didn't see him, so I didn't quite understand how my dad could see him, but I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And um, he asked me, he was like, hey, you know what, can you describe to me again what you saw when you were younger? And I described mm -hmm. it. Yes. And he said, I just saw that watching you from around the corner, but it wasn't blue, it was black. 
And that, I mean, from my understanding, black, a black figure is not good whatsoever. And so I asked him, you know, well, what happened when he, when you saw him? And he said that he darted off into my bedroom. Um, freaky. And then last year, I was 21 years old and I went on a paranormal investigation. And there's a sensitive on the team who actually picked up on him. And um, he started freaking out, and he stopped the investigation and went and talked to me outside. And he was like, have you ever used an Ouija board? And I was like, no, why? And he said, well, you have some kind of attachment that's here with you tonight. And he's very angry. Um, he actually thought he was a demon because, this, you know, the sensitive could pick up on him, and he didn't like that because he wasn't used to it. And he came out him like Lucifer himself. Um, and I thought, that's pretty scary because I've always been with me, but he never did anything to harm me, you know? Well, so, um, how old are you now? 22. 22. Mm-hmm. Just the right age. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, usually if it's a movie and it's a good-looking young 22-year-old girl, she's uh, she's about to be torn to shreds. Pieces. Oh, well, um, actually... Actually joined that paranormal group. Like Jello and, um, on the floor. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> um, I joined that paranormal group and talked more with the sensitive. Yes. And they had a medium on the team who had left um, that crosses spirits over. Yes. And I went to talk with her, and she um, she asked me. She was like, you know, I I want to I want to do something. I want to you know talk to your soul, not your mind. And I gave her that permission, and she asked me questions and. Um, we did that whole thing, and then she was like, okay, now I want to ask, you know, is it okay if I have permission to talk to this attachment through you? Yes. And I said yes, and um, we got some answers. I, apparently, he knew me from a past life, and he said he was here to hurt me. But he was around since I was three years old, and I was I was 21 when, he, when we crossed him over. Well, so he was just waiting for the right time. Oh, that's true. And maybe the right time is still not yet. Or are you here to tell me that she exorcised this demon from you and you're now fine? Well, that's what we're hoping. Um, I see. Well, in in the movies, that's what they always hope. But then at the end of most of those movies, it turns out that the exorcised demon simply moved or shifted to either somebody else or someplace else. And uh, the person like yourself still ends up like, well, Jello. Well, thanks. I feel good now. I, I, I did what I could to help and uh, <laughs> sleep well. Thanks, Bart. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> oh, all that JC, too. Well, okay. That's it for tonight. Uh, I hope everybody out there across all the time zones has a great weekend. I. I'm looking forward to a no-drama-type weekend this weekend. I'm just going to relax, and I suggest you all do the same. So, from the high desert and the great American Southwest, good night.